This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by a Dodger great, the NL Rookie of the Year in 1992. He's been broadcasting for, shoot, like, <laughs> been with Fox and ESPN. He's back in 2022. He's back with Spectrum Sportsnet LA. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Eric Karos. Eric, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, Booney. Love it. Love it. Um, for those of you watching, listening to the Boom Podcast, right? I, it was good running into you. I see you. What we we run into each other time to time, but I got to clear this. I I run into you at a Rod Dato event, Riviera <laughs> Country Club. Now, let me set this up for the audience. As a kid, as just this young dove freshman at USC, Eric Karos was one of Brett Boone's idols. He was Eric Karos. It was the Ed Sprague's of that day. And and you know, Eric, as a freshman, you come into a big uh, university and you kind of watch the older players and the other team. Oh, one day I'm going to hit like him. But you're, you're a Bruin. What are you doing yeah. at the SC events? Tell, tell the audience what you're doing there. So I, I'm friendly with the Dados and Rod Dato, uh, super tight with Tommy and Lasorda. They were inseparable. Uh, and so my, obviously my affinity for Tommy and then uh, knowing Justin Dato and, and then uh, Kurt Schuett. So I'm always, I'm always down for it, for helping out the LA schools. And again, uh, friendships uh, are a little thicker than anything. Rod Dato, you played against him. I, I never yeah. got there. When I got to SC, that was 88. So Dato had already stepped aside. I played under Gillespie. Um, but I do remember him. And he was still close to the program. He'd come out. And yep. you mentioned Tommy Lasorda. I know they were close. It, it's kind of surreal knowing both of them. Rod Data was kind of the Tommy Lasorda of college right. baseball. You know? Yeah. I mean, he could work a room. You give him the mic at an event. I mean, yep. and just sit back and enjoy the ride. 
Yeah, no, no question. And I, I played uh, one one season uh, when I was at UCLA. It was Rod's uh, last year, and um, then I got to know him again, being around Tommy. And you, like you said, the personality, the magnetism. Anytime he walked into a room, you just wanted to be around him, hear the stories. And so you put those two together, Tommy and Rod. Oh my. It's amazing too, because I I knew Rod briefly. You know, I was he was yep. around, uh, but I see Justin. You know, at these events, they look identical. It's like right? he looks right. he looks like his dad. <laughs> it's like your dad. He's still here. USC uh, Bruins thing. Mm-hmm. How how big of a Bruin are you? I I mean, I'm kind of the casual. Listen, I went to SC. I love SC. It was fun. The rivalry, the US, especially on the football side of thing. SC, UCLA. You know, we have that kind of banter back yep. and forth. It's fun. You take it one step farther to the real diehards about their, you know, right. their alumni. That's Aaron Boone. He's it's Saturday. It's the fight song playing. It's the SC. <laughs> he might have a uni on. You never know. It is in his uh, at his house. What kind of what kind of Bruin are you? Are you the casual one like I am, or are you like through and through? I'm, I'm, I'm not. Oh, I'm so so look at I, I've got two boys. Uh, both uh, played at UCLA. Went to UCLA, and so obviously a big part of my family. Now, am I living and dying with, with everything? No, I'm not living and dying with everything. But a uh, huge supporter of UCLA. I uh, think it's a wonderful ed, uh, you know, educational space. And, and, again, the baseball program. So am I fighting somebody over UCLA? No, I'm not fighting somebody over UCLA. But, uh, like I said, a very special place for me and my family. What do you think about them us going to the Big Ten? USC, UCLA, Man. after this year, going to the Big Ten – uh, for baseball, for us, it was the Pac right. Six. It was right. Arizona, yep. Arizona State, Cal, uh, Stanford, Stanford, yep. UCLA, SC, and 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 a rival. Long time, you know. It's the Pac Ten, obviously. Right. Pac Twelve. For baseball in our generation, it was the Pac Six. That's going to be broken up. That's gone. SC, UCLA go to the Big Ten. What do you think about that? Just from a historic perspective, obviously. Man. There's dollars involved. There's right, a reason right, they're moving. Right. Um, but what do you think about just I don't know the legacy? The it's kind of a kind of a sad day for me right. a little bit looking back on on all those little kind of inner rivalries. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it from an economic standpoint. But like you said, it, it's from a baseball standpoint specifically, it's a, it's a bummer. You know, as you said, you know, we had we had the six pack back in the day, and it was the dominant conference in baseball. I mean, you had. You know, Stanford won a couple of national championships. You know, Arizona, you pack Arizona had won uh, while I was there, and so for for it to only be comprised of six teams, and then for it to just basically dominate college baseball, uh, like I said, I mean that was a that was a glorious time, and for it to not even exist anymore, uh, I mean that's crazy to think of. I, I get it, um, but I'm not sure I like it. Yeah, it's it, and people always ask. We were there for the, you know, once again that that six pack they called it. I mean, yeah, there were three, four teams coming out of our league going to a regional. It's different now. The SEC is kind of the dominant when it comes to baseball, and I, and I completely see that what they can offer in the SEC as a as a freshman baseball right. player at an LSU. Uh, where it's the it's the thing to do on a Friday night, on a Saturday night, you get ten, twelve thousand people. Whereas at our games, you know, we play UCLA, and, and both of us being really good at the time, 
you might get three or four hundred people in a right. game. It's not it's not exactly the big ticket in uh, in L.A. But but uh, yeah, it's it's something where the, the shift the power shift has changed. It's definitely in the SEC as far as from a baseball perspective. Yep. Um, Couple prominent guys. I think you might have played with him. I think you're younger than him, but you just played. Uh, I think you might have played with Tori Lavello as, as yeah, a yeah. freshman or a sophomore. Um, he just had a hell of a run. Oh, how, how close were you watching it? I don't know Tori, uh, but it was pretty cool for me. <clears throat> and I, and I, I don't mean to be condescending at all, but they were an 84 win team. You look at the. Right. You look at the rosters and, and you match them up against one another. They were outgunned just about at every turn. Yet they're sitting there and they were mm-hmm. a few wins away from being a world champion. Uh, obviously, the Texas Rangers won. And, and uh, I was happy for my uh, a former skipper of mine, Bruce Bochy. But what would you think of that run? Give me a little insight to uh, Tori Lovello. So I, I had an opportunity to play two uh, two years with Tori, my freshman and uh, sophomore year at UCLA. That was his junior and senior year. And if you look at his college numbers – dude was sick i mean i heard the name all the time coming up right no i mean it was on real numbers switch hitter 25 26 home runs hit you know close to 400 and uh you know even when he got to uh he was drafted by the detroit tigers and sparky anderson likened him to the next mickey mantle that's what he like he put that moniker on him so i mean he was he was doomed from the get-go but uh tory as good a human being as as you'll ever find um I know I had a chance working for Fox this year. We did uh, we did a game earlier in the season, the Diamondbacks Red Sox game, and uh, you know I was jokingly talking to him about you know Arizona. It's just you know such a tough division being in the National League West, and this was still when you know San Diego was still thought of to to be the team that was going to run away with everything, and then you know you've got San Francisco, the Dodgers, and it's you know like where does Arizona fit? And, uh, you know, he, he thought he said, look, we're, we're going to be competitive and we're, we're a matchup problem for a lot of teams. So I think I think within the organization, they, they sort of saw it as an opportunity. Now, look, are they one of the best teams in baseball? No, I don't, I don't even think I'd pick them as a top, you know, six or seven is the best team. But they uh, they played well at the right time. And you got to give it to those guys. Uh, you know, a lot of grit and a lot of, uh, you know, big hits, good pitching performances at the right time. But I, I think you can admit nowadays the team that wins the World Series isn't necessarily the best team in baseball. It's it's the hottest teams. You know, you go back to the days of, you know, the, the, the 60s and 70s where, you know, you just whoever won the National League played against the American League. And that was, you know, the, the best team. And you know, nowadays, so many teams getting into the uh, the postseason. And then, like I said, you get hot in October and you end up winning the World Series. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I want to get your perspective on that a little bit. I, I'm okay. I'm kind of I'm conflicted. Okay, I grew up, uh, you know, I was a '70s kid right. and and watching Dad play and and you mentioned it was pretty cool. That 162 meant, meant yeah. something. Meant something because there was two teams coming out of each league. Four teams made the playoffs. Now right. we're we're talking 12, and it was one blowout playoff series, and then boom, you're in the World Series. So. <clears throat> to your point, usually the best team won back then because the best team, yeah. it, it is a marathon and it's 162 and whoever, who, whoever's wins out of those 162 usually is the best team. They're usually the deepest team. You know, you get into these playoffs now. I, I got to take it from two, from two different veins, the player, the purest in me, no, I like that 162. I like minimal teams mm-hmm. making the playoffs because I think that's why we play it, to earn it. As an ex-player, as an analyst, as a fan, I'm really entertained by this new format. I like it in 12 yep. teams. I think it involves a lot more cities where in past in past years, shoot, at the All-Star break, a lot of teams are already eliminated right. from going to the playoffs. This current format really keeps a lot of excitement, whereas most cities would be moving on and talking about the opening yep. of football. They're still talking baseball. And for me, from a biased perspective, <laughs> baseball being my entire life to this point, I kind of like that. But the three, you know, it, it was a one-game playoff. Now they change it to a three. I guess that's better. The five-game for me, uh, still a little short as far as, to your point, getting the best team out of it. It doesn't show the depth. You know, you got a number one and a number two start. If you got two studs at the top, you can kind of navigate a five game series. Now, if you've only got two starters and you got to navigate a seven game series, you're going to get exposed. I think we saw in the postseason there were at some point in the world series, there was a bullpen game. Uh Since when is there a bullpen game in in the world series? But that's kind of our reality now. Uh, I looked at the, you know, Baltimore winning 100 games. I didn't expect Baltimore to move on Mm -hmm. being with that that youth movement. I think it was great for the game of baseball. Baltimore has been in the basement for years and years. I think they have a bright near future for them, but I didn't expect much. But a Tampa Bay, a 99-win team, an L.A. Dodgers, which you're covering uh, Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis, won 100 games again, won that division again. Uh, The Atlanta Braves, everybody kind of, it came to the same conclusion. They're probably the best team in baseball, one of right. four games. They were all bounced early. Just give me your take on what do you think the best is? Do you, do you like this format? Do you think there could be some tweaks? Eric Caros. No, I, I, I like the format now just because of the entertainment value. And it's, I, it's like you were saying, I almost, I, I think I've got a different perspective as, you know, when I played um, versus as a fan, because there are things that I know when I played, like I, I, I wouldn't have been down for it at all, right? And now, though, as a fan and watching the game and looking for entertainment value, 
I'm all for certain things. And so this playoff situation, I, I do like it because it, it, as you mentioned, involves more teams. I think though, that the, what you're, what you have to be careful about is not, I, I don't want to say you're trivializing trivializing the 162 games, but now, I mean, do you go all out to try to win? Do you are you building a team just to get in to the postseason? Does it really mean anything to win your division? Does it? So I, I think that there's some way maybe you can you can tie that into draft picks and you can tie that into you know some sort of reward outside of you know is it really a reward to get a week off and not play in the first round i mean i don't you know that that's a whole thing that's debatable so i think there's got to be something to incentivize teams to win the division because i think you're finding that like does it mean as much to win the division is it as important so but i do like the the, the number of teams and i think baseball right now with all the rule changes, with with the the playoff format, I think it's about as exciting as it's been uh, in a number of years. I think you're right, and and I was a, I, I was a big, uh, I'll keep an open mind, but I'm a little skeptical about these new rules. And man, within the first month, I was right. completely flipped, <laughs> and I said, I thought I knew a lot about the game, and and I was dead wrong on right. this. You know, I love bringing the, the incentive to steal bases back, but at the yeah. time, I looked at it as wow, these base stealers, it's easy for them now. No, that wasn't right. the point. The point was to incentivize them to start stealing again because we've gotten so far away from it. Um, the one thing I think, and I don't know how you'd wedge it in because we both played a long time and mm-hmm. we've both been in those those union meetings and dealing right. with both sides. It's like, how do you get, because I think the best team comes out of a seven-game set. I really do. I mm-hmm. think you have to have a third starter. I think you have to have a fourth starter, both viable. In this modern day, you really don't until you get to the the LA the uh, the championship series where it's a seven game. Um, I don't know though. There's no there's no perfect storm. I don't think. I think they're going to keep tweaking it and, and moving it around until they get it just right. Uh, people want to complain. You know, for years and years, it's oh the same team gets to the postseason. You know, we're tired of this, and right. all of a sudden you have an Arizona and a Texas, and everybody's bitching. Oh wait a minute, they shouldn't be here. It's bad TV, right? Well, what do right. you want? You want Boston and the you know you want the Red Sox. The, the Dodgers and the Yankees every year, or you want some parody? Right. I think they've done a really good job uh, at at kind of having good parody in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. And that's it. The whole thing, again, you know, you're trying to serve a, a whole different mantra of requests. Like you want the economics of the TV package. You want the popularity of the game. But yet you want to incentivize teams that like, you know, both of these teams, the Rangers and Arizona, that – you know, a few years ago were 100 lost teams and, you know, now their fan base has a, a World Series to, to cheer for. So, again, you're never going to you're never going to be perfect. But I, I think baseball is about as good from a from a fan standpoint, from an interest standpoint, uh, like I said, as it's been in a number of years. An observation I had during this postseason run, mm-hmm. and, and I think you can probably speak to it. Eric Carroll, uh, you drove in a hundred five times. Mm-hmm. You hit thirty plus home runs five times in your during your mm-hmm. career. Um, and I read an interesting note about you. To this day, and I believe it's today. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're still the all-time Dodgers sack fly leader. 
I think you get more <laughs> sacrifice flies. I don't. And this is getting to my point than right. anybody in the history of the LA Dodgers, which is kind of a footnote. You know, a fan probably looks at that. Oh, what's what's a big deal? Right. But speak to this as RBI guys, and we both were. That's important, man. That is important stuff for me. I can deal with an O for four. I can deal with a loss. But I see that runner on third, less than two, right. and I don't get it done, say, twice in a game. Those are the things that used to keep me up at night. I couldn't sleep. Like I said, I could deal with punching out. I could deal with going over four. But if I left those free ribbies on third base, that's the thing I had a real problem. And I think guys from our our day, our generation, and I'm not cheapening the fact that the, the guys today don't care. I'm sure mm-hmm. they care. But I watched this postseason, and I thought to myself, how many times are we going to get a runner on third, less than two, and not get him in? It seemed like it was like one out of every ten. Did you you notice that? And how much did that bother you when you didn't get it done? So I I think the game, the way it's incentivized now is what players will kind of draw to or try and tailor their game. What I mean by that – you talk about RBIs now, and people say, oh, well, RBIs aren't that important. You know, it's more fun <laughs> yeah. getting up there, right? And those are the same people that, you know, again, you're just looking at it metrically, but, you know, standing in a box, having a guy down there that you're trying to drive in, knowing what that means. I mean, that it's night and day, and I, and I don't want to get into that, well, unless you stood in a box, you don't know. But right. that's that's kind of the way it is. And, and so, but nowadays – the, the whole idea of, you know, strikeouts, you can strike out, it's not a big deal. You don't have to necessarily drive the guy. The RBIs aren't a, a big deal. Um, they look at other metrics, and I think players will cater their game to those metrics because that, in turn, means compensation, right? And at the end of the day, look, at you know, if anybody says any differently, they're, you know, they're full of it or they're dumb one or the other but you have a finite amount of time to make some money in this game and you know that's the reality is that that everybody is yes we all love the game we're all passionate about it but i didn't see anybody playing for free not one person ever and so again nowadays look at it it's more about you know, maybe working a count or getting down to, to first base or, you know, on base percentage and, and, and those sort of things are emphasized more. That doesn't mean that that guys, you know, 30 years ago couldn't play the same type of game. It's just that, you know, 30 years ago, it's, you know, Steve Garvey, a great example for me. Guy chased hits, batting average. That's how you got paid back then. That's how you got. It wasn't on base percentage back in the day. And so, you know, you get to now and it's look at RBIs for me are always going to be important because it takes somebody special to drive that run in. And look at guys not scoring just by himself for the most part. Somebody's got to hit the ball, make something happen. And that's that guy in the box. And look, some guys can do it. And some guys can't. You're right, though. I mean, that's a great point on on. It's beyond the metrics, and it's what what incentivizes people. What gets the payday? In our day, it was it was uh, average home runs, runs and runs RBIs. Batted in, and, yeah, and RBIs right. were were right. more important than home runs. We yep. didn't care how you drove them in, but if you drove in a hundred, back up the Brinks truck. That's what yeah, people used right. to say. You drive in a hundred. A hundred was that key. Was that key number? Yep. And you're right. Now the big guys, the best players in the lineup, are in the two hole. 
whereas they right. used to be in the three hole and the four hole. Now they're in the two hole. And it is about OPS. I, I agree with you. And, and as long as the game is set up for what what is important, what do we pay for? Right. That's what they're going to tailor their game after. Um, you know, I saw Dusty. He recently was on a was on. A, I don't know. It was a podcast or a show. And he said he's just he he's kind of. You know, what an unbelievable run you got to play mm-hmm. for him in Chicago yep. at the end of your career. Uh, we don't have to get into how great Dusty is. It, 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 you can't find a guy that doesn't love Dusty Baker. But but he just said he kind of got tired of it, and it was so much. In today's game, 2023, we didn't have to deal with iPhones. and You know, we had to deal with ESPN right. and right. baseball right. tonight. And once in a while, <laughs> baseball tonight would, would mock you, and you'd be like, what are you talking about, you know? Uh, now it's blogs. It's media. It's... Mm-hmm. He said he's, it, it kind of gets old, that constant critique. And for a guy that's been there, done that for so many years, I kind of felt what he was saying. Uh, you know, I'm not at that point in my life, but I could imagine all he's been through. He, he just said everything is so negative on a daily basis and from so many different sources. What do you yeah, it's so, so it's, it's interesting because I think one of the things with all the social media, it allows – the fans to feel closer to the players or feel closer to the game or get more involved. So from that standpoint, it's good as a player though. I'm not so sure that, you know, I'd be down with everything right now. Just the, the constant scrutiny, the, the 24 seven, you got to be on, you can't go anywhere without, you know, getting recorded or, or somebody, you know, videoing or, or, or blogging about you. And then, you know, again, how much of it is real? What's the context of all that sort of stuff? And it's hard enough to play this game and play it at a high level. And you add that component, and it's just something else that, that guys today have to deal with. I, that's one thing I, I am I'm I'm glad that I I didn't play in this era. Um, I think just because not only from a that sort of standpoint, but going out, you know, I mean, there are a lot of times, you know, you go out and you just have some fun and you could do some things that, you know, quite frankly, nowadays it ain't happening. It just ain't happening because somebody's going to record you or blog about you or whatever. And look at, we're all human beings. We're all going to go out and, you know, do our thing. And it just, nowadays, it's just the microscope 24 seven. It's, it's, it's tough. You're doing this on a daily basis. You're watching, uh, the white box strike zone mm-hmm. drives drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I get caught up in it. I yell at the TV. Right, right. Yeah. But I really don't think our our day. It was the good umpires establish your zone and stick with that zone and be as consistent as you can. And as players, we understand you're a human being and you're going to mess up once in a while. But tell me what that zone is early. If you're giving a little right. off the plate away, you you can't give in. Uh, you know, you can't give off the plate in. in right now, it's right. different. It's a box. Now, I don't think that box is how the umpires train, mm-hmm. and and that is the official strike zone. But for your viewing pleasure, it is. You know, I watch my brother get carried away all the time, and I say, Aaron, you can't yell every time something doesn't tick that stupid box. Right. <laughs> but that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Are we going to robo umps? Is it going to be something that you see in the near future? Do you like it? Do you not? I, I, there's so much arguments now about, oh, this guy stinks. That guy's a he, he calls right. bad balls and strikes with the technology we have. And they're so scrutinized. I almost feel bad for the umpires at times because it's like they were never scrutinized with, with us. Right. They didn't have that box for everybody on the couch to critique. Uh, 
Where are we going at this stage of the game? I just figure, tell the players what a strike is, and you might as well go to the robo-ump. He can stand at home plate and call, you know, safer out on a play at the plate. But other than that, if you're going to scrutinize him this much, you might as well just go to the official computer box. Yeah, you know, like I, I go back and forth with that because I do think there's something to be said about the human element. I think that you take away some things that guys are really good at if you bring in the robo ups right? They're like the whole catching and the framing and stealing pitches. I mean, some guys are in the big leagues because of that, right? Because of their ability to catch, because of their ability to frame. Some pitchers are, are great pitchers because they can live two inches outside the plate every single pitch. And if they've got to live on the plate, maybe their stuff isn't good enough, but they've got location. So I, I think that, you know, those sort of things that it's an element to the game. I like the, I like the human element. Now, I, I, if you ask me, you know, I'm standing up in the box and I get rung up on a pitch that's, you know, six inches outside or, you know, obviously I'm going to be saying, hey, where's the robo on? That's a joke. That's, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so it's but I, I do. Like I said, I, I like the human error kind of component of it. I like and, and there are there are things it's just, you know, going back to, you know, we've got the replay. A guy slides into second base and he comes off the base by a little hair right and the, the tag still applies I, I don't like I don't like that right because that's not the spirit of the rule I, I you know the neighborhood play I, I as a first baseman sometimes selling the the you know the the the, uh, the force out at first base you know coming off the bag a little early or something like all that is gone right and so I you know I that I I do sort of miss um but again, if I if I got screwed on a call, you know, I'd be MF and everybody and wanting the robo umps. Right. So it's just, it, you know, it goes two ways. Yeah, I, I'm with you at second base. I'm offended by the, the, how to turn a double play. Now, the peanut lady can turn a double right, play right, with right, the current right. rules. That's how we used right. to separate ourselves. Like the guys that can right. hang in there on that tough double play in the ninth inning with the game on the line. That's how you earned your money. And yeah. now it's like anybody can come in and turn two because, well, we got to slide straight into the base, especially also tagging players. It's like, how do you teach the, the phantom tag? Hey, right, right. You That's can't do it anymore. You have to right. physically hold it on them, get spiked, right. whatever's going to happen. Right. Um, all right, we got a f- few more, and I'll let you out of here. I know you got to run. This is what I heard from Eric Carroll, and it really resonated with me. I thought it was great. You said it sometime this year, and it made me, it made me turn my head and go, that's, that's a great point. We're talking about scouting uh, the current player. There's five le- there, there's five categories for scouting. Right. And I heard Eric Carroll go, there should be a sixth, and that sixth should be the ability to post. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. yeah. And it really resonated me with me because we prided ourselves on that. It's right. like I'm in that lineup every day. I'm counted on. I'm one of the main guys, and my teammates uh, count on it. Tell me what you meant behind that, but I really loved it. So I, I think there's a lot to be said about accountability and reliability and knowing that, uh, you know, whether it's for your manager, your teammates, knowing that somebody's going to be responsible enough to be to be ready to play every single day. And I always what, what I always got caught up on was, uh, you know, I'd look at other guys and they, they you know, they'd go sign a deal or something. And, and, well, you know, this guy only played 100 games, but you project his numbers out over 160 games. This guy had hit 45 home runs and drive it. It's like, yeah, but the guy never plays 160 games. He <laughs> That's plays part of the gig. <laughs> like this is this is the whole, and and I know that you know I also get the whole thing about the rest and you know that sort of thing and and 
you know, keeping somebody fresh and injury free. But you look at what the Braves did this year. You know, all those guys post, all those guys play every single day. And they got through the season. They had a great year. Now you're going to say, well, what happened in the postseason? That wasn't a that wasn't they were worn out or tired. They got they got beat. Uh, I have the, the fortunate opportunity to watch Freddie Freeman, who, uh, you know, wants to be in the lineup every single day with the Dodgers. So that was it was it was sort of a, a warrior mentality back in our day. And that's what you wanted to do. And again, that was one of those things that it was uh, I don't want to say it was stress, but it was acknowledged. It was rewarded. You know, nowadays it's it's not. So guys don't necessarily really wear it as a badge of honor or or, or think it's that important. But like I said, you look at the Braves and, and what they did, that's just, you know, they ran out the same lineup just about all year long. Guys played 150 games plus. And I do think it's important. And I, and I do think that it speaks more than just being out there. It, it's a lot of other things that, you know, whether it's your – it's your accountability, your reliability, the, the fact that you're ready to play every single day says something about you and your character and your commitment to the team. I, I'm right. I'm right with you on that. Last thing, <clears throat> your Dodgers. Uh-huh. What do they need to do this offseason? I was looking at that pitching staff. I just heard Kershaw had surgery. Right. He's going to miss some time. Obviously, Walker Bueller, your number one, he was out the entire season. Uh, the young May kid who they've been waiting to come along right. seems like he can't stay healthy and we've got a scandal going on with urius uh that dodgers that's won six or seven divisions in a row i think um you know you still got the mookie bets and the freddie freeman like right. you mentioned two of the best players in the world as kind of that core base what do the dodgers need to do this offseason with everything going on I mean, obviously, they've got to get somebody at the top of the rotation. You look at who they started with at the beginning of the year was Kershaw, Gonsolin, uh, Urias, uh, May, and Syndergaard. And none of those guys, you know, I I mean, none of them were healthy. And and Kershaw was the only one that lasted throughout the season. So, obviously, they've got a lot of depth in young players, and they've got some great young arms, but I'm not sure that – they're ready to be the one and two starters uh, of a, a rotation that's trying to get to the World Series. So they're going to make a splash. I, I, I would bet anything that uh, you're, you're going to see a, a frontline pitcher um, wearing a Dodger uniform after this uh, this offseason. Uh, then they've got some youth. And then, you know, you also got to look at, you know, what happens with you know, the outfield situation, where a guy's going to be, uh, you know, is Gavin Lux coming back? Will he be ready to play shortstop? Walker Bueller will be back. Look, at here's here's what I'll say. Every year you go to Vegas and you look at who's, you know, top two or three pick to, to win the World <laughs> Series, and, you know, they'll be there again. And, and that's just a credit to the, the front office. But they are got to get a front-line guy, a top-of-the-line rotation guy. And it was amazing this year watching Mook, watching bets come in from right field, oh, play short, play sad. I don't think we, right, I don't think, I don't right. think we've ever seen, I don't think we've ever seen that. We've seen the other way. You go from a middle infielder to the outfield, but yeah. just to pop in from right field, oh, I'll play a little second today, right. a little short. People right. don't understand, especially the short dynamic. People have no idea. Idea. Yeah. Shortstops can play anywhere. They're the best, most talented right. defender on the field at all times, but. To just come in and do that. I thought it was kind of a I was double taken when I first saw it. I said, is he just in for some weird situation? Right. Five infielders. They're like, no, he actually started the game there and game. he's playing yeah. the entire game and getting it done. I thought it was pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, crazy athlete. And it, it was, it was fun to watch. 
Awesome. Well, EK, uh, Eric Karos, check him out this year. Uh, he, he's back with the Dodgers doing his thing, and I appreciate it. Great career. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the yeah. program. Booney, great and, catching and up. setting it up. For all yeah. of you out there watching the Boom, watching the Boom podcast on YouTube now or listening, I appreciate you coming out, and we will see you next time. <laughs>